When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I got a good friend of mine named Andy Portberg on here, and he is up around at Gooseneck Implement up in uh, South Dakota, right? That's where you're at. Well, a little north of there, but we're it's a Dakota. <laughs> I was just, like, just breaking your balls, there, buddy. Now it's up in it, North Dakota. It's, it's, up there. It, it's okay. When we were down in, in uh, Nashville the last time, the the lift driver asked me why there were two Dakotas, and I couldn't answer him. So. <laughs> To, to the rest of the other one that's why yeah exactly the, the rest to the to the entire world there's probably only one i don't know yeah yeah but no and andy's a friend of mine we we have uh both kind of started down a path he's walked further down the path than i am but um andy and i are, are kind of fairly i think i would call these fairly new positions in in the uh especially in the ag equipment side of the business i think um you're starting to see more dealers pop up but we're both kind of data. I'm a data spreadsheet guy, and I kind of look at what's going on. I'm a data analyst is my is my uh, title. Um, still have a lot to learn on the analyzing part of it, but you know, Andy's got a a very robust background in there, so I wanted to get him on the podcast to kind of talk a little bit about what we see happening from 
um, the world of technology and how all this data that we have now um, can be used in the dealership to help help drive sales and solve problems. So, Andy, I appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast, man. No problem. Happy to do it. All right, man. All right, so Andy, let's talk a little bit about some stuff you see happening out there. So, um, let's talk about AI, right? So, yep. a funny joke every time it comes up is I watched a uh, a pretty cool documentary about AI once. It was called Terminator, and it worked out well <laughs> for everybody at the end, you know, machine learning. <clears throat> but it, machine learning is starting to make its way into uh, the ag- agricultural space, not just on the uh, this. I mean, I'm sure the seed guys and the chemical guys and and the um, the various uh, mapping things and all the technology that's all that they've had machine learning for a long time. Obviously, you look at the machines and what's out there that's been around for a while. But from a uh, kind of a, um, a predictive analytic scale, we're starting to see it pop in. So, uh, you know, as I look at this, I, I would have never thought that you know, hey, we can take a look at service uh, work orders and we can take a look at, at parts and where they're at, what they're doing, and start really kind of moving things around based around machines uh, population, those kind of things. I've always had that thought in my head, but actually building something to make that fundamentally work has been, once you start trying to do it, you figure out pretty quick, it's next to impossible to put together. So this AI thing, as it comes together, you're starting to see some of these companies out there. Like for example, there's a company called data robot and data robot is uh, a machine learning AI machine that can feed it with stuff and it's going to spit out some answers for you. So, I guess, Andy, as you're looking at that, what are your thoughts there, and how do you see that functionally working in in uh, the agriculture business? Yeah, I think you're you know you're right, Casey. the The big thing that I've come to realize doing this job is, you know, there's there's never a shortage of data, right? Whether it's work orders, whether it's you know dealer dealer business system data, industry data, whatever that is, it's just you know you sit and look at it, and always have a great idea of, hey, I should I should be able to do something with this. Um, you know, and, and just sitting down and trying to figure it out. It's much, much more in depth than putting an Excel spreadsheet together. You know, how many, how many, how many V lookup formulas can you have before the spreadsheet finally doesn't open anymore? (laughs) Um, Crashes finally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've, I've had, had quite a few of them. In fact, I was working on one the other day, but, um, you know, you, you mentioned data robot. We're actually working, partnering with them right now to do some things on, on you know like some estimated recon repair analysis right where we're we're feeding them a work order data set and 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 they're they're coming back and actually predicting you know some some estimated dollars of repairs and um you know we we ran a we ran a quick just a, a test run the other day where you know we were we were like within 94% across you know 2000 machines on an average so i mean of course there's going to be some <clears throat> There's going to be some highs and lows, right? But right. yeah, you know, we felt we felt pretty good about the data we were getting back, especially from a, the the cleanliness of the data we were looking at. But um, you know, I mean, I think there there's things I I think about every day, Casey. I mean, whether it's you know number of quotes being made today versus yesterday, or what's what's being quoted today versus yesterday. That you know, these machine learning platforms really really kind of have a, a niche in our market to just analyze these big data sets that we have that really you know like there you or i have a, have a little bit of know-how of the industry but to actually sit and break that down in a spreadsheet and pivot tables or or whatever that looks like it's 
it, you said it. It's next to impossible. And even yeah. even if you did finally figure it out, by the time you did, it's old news anyway. It's old news, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's some things you know. You start looking at, at things like uh, some of these uh, these business analytics suites, for example, that you get from Microsoft, right? So you got Power mm-hmm. BI and Power Query and Pivot Pro and all these different things that come into play, and and you start looking at those and and. I'm just now starting to learn how those work and, and kind of really starting to put some stuff together with them. But that stuff's like next level. Yeah. Even that stuff's next level. I mean, you're starting looking at taking, you know, I, I pulled a report the other day and, it, and I pulled it down and said, you know, you're, you only, basically you're only getting about half of the report because, you know, Excel's doesn't have that much space yep. for it. You know? and yep. So you, you start roles. taking that and you start dumping that into like, you know, Power BI and you start connecting seven or eight or had one the other day I was trying to do and uh, I was watching a video and they were connecting like eight or nine different tables together yep. sourcing what the same like customer number or whatever it might be and they're drawing that data for there and they're making a pretty nice dashboard you know and I I think that to me is when you start looking at at how our sales guys what well, you're talking you see a SAR guy out in the field selling parts of service or you're talking about your your everyday guy going out just selling, you know, whole goods, you know, iron and, and technology out there. That speed of that transaction has gotten so much faster. People want to pretend like it's slowed down, but it really hasn't. Because no. the difference now is that I don't have to come out to your farm and drop off a pamphlet about the new whatever. And you read the pamphlet and then you go to the farm show and you see everybody else's pamphlet and you do the thing. You jump on the internet now and it's that, I mean, it's, it's impossible for everyone to stay so on top of, of what it is because I hear this all the time. Our customers know more about our equipment than we do. And that's probably true because we have to know everything about every single line of equipment that we carry. So we're generalists. If you're buying a new, you know, whatever, uh, yep. 1025R. I got, I got you, one. You're an, ex, you're an expert. Yeah. You're an expert. <laughs> yep. That's what you're looking for. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's as you walk down that path, trying to figure out what that looks like and how those things play out, that makes it difficult to know what that is. But if you know the customer that you're going to go talk to is interested, likely interested in a whatever, when you show up, it changes the way that that conversation goes out and that, and that success rate that you see of closing that business. Yeah. And you, you nailed it. And and I think the one thing we even see a little bit, whether it's, whether it's from the, the CSR aftermarket perspective or, the service manager, you know, who, sh- who needs to sign up for an inspection or the sales guy of, you know, who do I go talk to? Um, you know, I think that it, it really helps break the ice too. It makes them feel more comfortable when I have a list of here's the people I need to go talk to versus just right. driving around the countryside, knocking on doors. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I think from, from <clears throat> one, one focus that, that at least I've, Kind of continued to to try to strive for just you know eye on the horizon is always the how do we make sure we are putting information in front of our customers before they know they need it and right. whether that's whether that's through automated marketing whether that's through you know a, a sales call whether that's through an aftermarket rep whether that's through a mailer email whatever that looks like but you know, to your point of, <clears throat> well, why why are we waiting for our customers to go search online to see what the service specials are? Right. We 
we have so much data about their purchases. Why are we not identifying those customers and telling them what our service specials are before they have to go look at that stuff? You know, so those those are all things that you know everything we're trying to do. Um, but but you mentioned it that it's it's all about you have to have a platform, right? Right. And 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 it doesn't matter whether that's you know Salesforce, whether that's Power BI, whether it's Microsoft Dynamics, you know, Handle, you know, Anvil, whatever, whatever the ones that are out there, it, it, it's just getting all that stuff in a central place that all your people are working out of, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I look at the world we came from where you had Equip, and the only way to get data out of Equip was an SQL query, and it was a nightmare, but you made it work. And then Foresight came along, and it was like, hey, man, this is pretty cool. And and now you know the stuff that that we're using you know through through the uh, the Salesforce analytics platform is makes makes query and, and foresight look like you know they were pen and paper stone and tablet you know fifty right. years ago. So I mean you're you're one hundred percent right. Just the ease of access to the data is one, and then just the actionable takeaways is the other thing that that we've really been finding is doesn't matter what. Right. It's yeah. Find something, find something small, find something big, whatever it is, but just start somewhere. Um, but again, having that platform where you can do the analysis, build the analytics that just run in the background now and just yeah. feed the actionable item to the user. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah. user user doesn't have to go find a report and look to see who's on it anymore. He just opens up his phone or opens up his computer. It's like, oh, I got to go talk to Casey today about a you know, yeah. service inspection on his combine. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing too about, about that is where getting away from thing, Excel is never going to go away. Oh, you're going to yeah. always use Excel. But the thing about Excel is that I'm not saying you can't build a predictive model with Excel and you can't, I mean, there's plenty of things out there where you can link multiple spreadsheets together and, and do things, happen, make things happen. The point that I think we're both making on this is that there's tools out there that take all that data that you've already built the tables for and those kind of things and then seamlessly weave them together so that you can pull it out there so much quicker and so much easier that when you're all said and done, man, it's, yeah, it makes it easy. Like you're talking about the guy looks at his phone because you know how most guys, most people are that way. And if they can't easily find something, they're just going to quit trying to find it. You know what I mean? We're not going to dig and spend four hours trying to figure out who wants to buy the next gallon of oil. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Well, and odds are, odds are they're looking for a report. They don't know what it's called. And then when they do finally find it, there's three of them and they don't know which one to use. So then they question yeah. whether or not it's right. And yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's way, way easier to just run all that in the backside and then just say, sure. here you go, go call, go call farmer Brown um, yeah. and, and tell them what they need to do. And if they, and I mean, we're not hiding any of the data from them. They want to, they want to see what's causing all that. You know, we get uh, a ton of input from our end users before, you know, we would, we would build or generate any of that just to make sure that we're going down the right path and the, the yeah. data is valuable. So, I mean, because the last thing you want is put something in front of them they're not going to use. Right. Exactly. And I think, so you hit on another good point, I think, with, with the amount of data that we're just getting from machines now. I mean, yeah, holy crap! I mean, you know when it sidled, when it, how far it drove down the road, where it stopped at, 
how many hours it worked at what percentage of the horsepower rate. I mean, there's so much stuff that you can know about all this stuff. That data is not, it's not like it's new data. That data has been out there for however long, 10 years, you know, that's been 11 years. It's been out there. Um, and if you're on the construction side, it's been out there even longer than that. Longer, right? yep. so, you're, so you're looking at all this data you have. And I think I almost equate that back to when uh, yield mapping first showed up on the market, right? However, 20 years ago, whenever that, whenever that was. And, and I remember a story at, a, at the dealership where a guy came in and said, Hey, I've got 20 years worth of maps. Somebody said you guys could, you know, compile all this stuff into one, one electronic format and I could see what happened. And the guy's, Oh, yeah, we went through this thing, puts it in this system, you know, a million different thumb drives, you know, all labeled with whatever yeah. on them. And gets it all done, and the guy goes, "Man, I sure would, this is really great to have all this data. I just, I don't know why I keep it because I don't do anything with it." Well, it's twenty yeah. years, literally yeah. twenty years of, of yield data, and I, that's kind of now you start to have that same conversation with those customers, and they're like, "Oh, well, yeah, we we go back in and we, you know, reduce the amount of fertilizer we put down here, and you know, yeah. variable rate this and that, blah blah." They got they can do a bunch of different stuff. Well, I almost kind of take a look at that from a perspective of um, the the telematics that we see on these machines now. People love it because they can see where their machine's at on a computer screen. But yep. what are you doing with the other 99.9% of the data <laughs> that comes out of that other than just where the machine's at? And I think that's an eye-opening conversation. You sit down with someone and say, hey, look, this machine idled 450 out of the 600 hours that you had it. Yep. Did not move anywhere. Just sat there and idled for 450 yeah. hours over the course of however long you had it. Or, you know what? You've only been using 67% of the horsepower of this machine. Yeah. Unless you just want the biggest, baddest machine out there, that's great. But there's opportunity for you to either increase your implement size or, um, you, know, you know, get a smaller machine or whatever, you know. So, just having those kind of conversations. I mean, we start talking to those guys about, hey, look, man, these, this is what yep. your machine's doing. Here's where we can save you some money, or here's what you can do if you just do that. Because unfortunately, idle hours cost as much as working hours. And that's yep. the that's the, the big kind of elephant in the room, I think, a little bit to some <laughs> yeah. some folks when you're when you're having that conversation with them about yep. use equipment, what's that look like. So I guess as you're looking at that, Andy, and you're talking about to your customers, like how are you utilizing that data? to have that conversation. Well, it's it's funny you mentioned that, that we just had a conversation with a customer the other day. We're talking about that exact same thing. And, it, you know, he's a pretty progressive guy. I mean, he's he's all about the data like me. So, I mean, we nerded out for about three hours in his job just talking about mm-hmm. data. But most of the farmers you talk to are still today, even still in that mindset of, well, yeah, I collect all this stuff. I record it. It's all in the op center. But... I don't do anything with it. It's like, oh, well, why do you record it and put it there? Well, you guys told me I had to. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but, but I agree with you a hundred percent that, you know, these guys, they don't, they don't realize it. You know, we, I was looking at, at one individual um, was, was talking to our precision ag guy and in prep for this meeting with this customer, he was actually out there looking at different farmers that he dealt with and looking at sprayers and what he was finding was these guys that were running these big 132 foot, 120 foot, 616s had multiple machines running the same field, whatever. Their um, 
as a percentage of the total hours, right? Mm-hmm. Their their working time was about half of what a guy running like one sprayer was. So it's like, well, what's causing that to happen? I mean, what what's what's yeah. going on that 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 those percentages are so off? You know, so those types of things and having that conversation, you know, maybe, maybe the guy realistically only needs one sprayer, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's, that's the deal. Uh, you know, this spring we, we had a, had an instance where, you know, we, we just took a couple of examples, just again, thinking about what we could do with this data. And it was like, okay, well, we got this guy over here that's pulling a 60 foot air drill through the field with, with a, a nine R extractor. And we got this guy over here on the same drill with the same tractor we know that we know the terrain enough to know that it's fairly flat land well how come one guy is burning 20 gallon an hour and the other guy's burning 35 and you go and you start looking at the speed well the dude burning 35 miles 35 gallons an hour is going freaking 10 and a half 12 mile an hour with an air drill and the other guy's going six Right. It's like, well, so, so, I mean, it's, it's crazy the what you can do, but I mean, again, I think our, our main focus here is just trying to figure out how do we take that data and, and feed it forward to our, our salespeople and in our customers in a way that, you know, is, is custom fit to their operation. Right. Um, you know, but I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Hours are hours, but and I and I'm not that old. But back in the day, I remember always like when you went and traded the cars, like well, they're all they're all highway miles. Like, well, what's the difference between right. a highway mile and a gravel right. road mile? You know, so right. so my my almost general question would come back to, well, does that does that data actually start to affect some machine pricing? Where if I'm looking at an S you know, 790 combine right now, and it's got 350 hours on it, but realistically 125 of them or 200 of them were, were uh, threshing hours, but this guy was pushing his machine, you know, 70% capacity. And this one over here has got the same amount of hours, but was running at 95. Well, which, right. which machine do I want? The one that was babied or, you know, down the highway or the one the guy was out on the trails with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the, uh, that is the, uh, we can start looking at where the premium is on the machine, right. Or that, what that, now we've, we've gone down this path all the time and talked a lot about forever since I've been doing this, like how do we develop that, that certified pre-owned program, right. And, yeah. The and everyone's got a, everybody's yeah, always I mean, got everyone's got a level, you know, what's your, what's a, what's a preview, a premium, yeah. uh, uh <laughs> premium uh, pre-owned machine look like and what's a, yeah. a certified pre-owned all these different things and, and set running them up and you you could have this was the when i was using equipment just as the one of the most it was just a big circular conversation that I had with people <laughs> never went anywhere you know never went anywhere, <laughs> you know, never went anywhere. Be, it would go it would go like well you have two two machines two one-year-old machines and they both have 250 hours on them or whatever One's better than the other one. Well, no, they both have 250. What could be wrong with them? Like a lot could be wrong with them, you know? One, I mean, one set outside 250 hours, this one's in the shed for 250 hours. I mean, there's just all these different variables that come into play. And how do you measure those things? And I think, I think this data kind of points towards that finally solving that, cracking that, 
that code of what's a certified pre-owned machine look like. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's kind of a catch 22, right? Is, is yeah. you want to help the customer be as efficient as possible with that machine. So you really realistically want them to run it, you know, at, at maximum capacity, but at the same yeah. time, if he does it, now you're going to give him a premium for the trade. Um, you know, so it'll be, it'll be funny to, or fun to see how that, that kind of all plays out. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. We, we was, I was, you know, used equipment manager for six years and it was the same thing. You just, one of those deals, you could never get it off the ground because nobody understood what it was about. It's like, well, you see that combine sitting over there with the new feeder hose drum on it. And that one doesn't have one. I'd be buying the one that doesn't have the new feeder hose drum if I was you. Because there's a reason why there's a new drop, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, yep. And I think those are the kind of things when you start looking back on all those those uh, barriers we try to you know get around and go over all the time. We just kind of it's like you jump over the barrier barrier, and by the time you hit the ground, it's the same barrier again, but it's just <laughs> yeah. taller than it was before. You know what I mean? And so you yeah. start because you got you had no real everything was so abstract. There was no yep. like. Yeah, There's you know, hard you fast could, data after showing you differently. Right. You couldn't sit down with a spreadsheet and, and pencil out or explain to a guy, hey, based on based on our sales history and this machine and this market, this machine is worth this much, but this guy's machine brings this much. Um, yeah, it's just it was well, first off, as a sales guy, I don't know that there's too many sales guys that are gonna do that. Um, you know, so so again, I've I've really been trying to trying to figure out, you know, how do we do that for them, right? Where, yeah. where you you put a machine, you put a machine in front of them, and, and you give them, you know, four or five prospects. But take it one step further than that. Here's why this customer needs to buy this machine. Yeah. Not not just that. Here's five customers. Go talk to them. But here's why those five customers are a good fit. Yeah, I think the. Uh... So something I've been trying to tackle here is 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 the taking a look at the some of our of our bigger customers that that roll every year and we start looking at those roll cycles and who are the customers that are coming in and buying and how long yeah. are those machines sitting in inventory um ahead of that. So there there's a lot of guys that not necessarily big roll guys, but just you know, they buy a combine every two years and they buy a new tractor mm-hmm. every three years or whatever it is, you know. And you kind of start working through that. Well, as you're as you're watching that go, you start seeing the same people jump back up and buying those machines year in year. Like every two or three or four yep. years, whenever they come back in, they keep coming back and buying that exact same machine. You know, yep. And some of that's geographics. You know, I mean, that's the the guy who lives right by the dealership, and there it is. But it's also some of that too. Is I like Andy's combines when they come back yep. because they're whatever. You know, I know they've yep. been greased or whatever it is, and so. I'm willing you to pay more for Andy's. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for Andy's than I'm willing to pay Casey's because yep. Casey just kind of uses them and then puts them up. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason Casey <laughs> trades every year. They won't. They won't run two years. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's a reason why I like warranty, right? So, yeah. so, so we we keep running down that path. But as you as you start looking at that those those data metrics, you start seeing yep. things in in. And customers that are that show that hey, this guy's yep. stuff when it comes in, it's only an inventory for a few days. And these mm-hmm. handful of customers are the ones that are buying that same machine over and over and over again. Yep. That's so, that tells a big story about kind of what how to handle those people as you move forward. 
Yeah, so I, I I've had this had this theory for for a long time, just haven't been able to maybe bring it to to light. But you know, even you know, you look at whether it's machines or whether it's customers, right? Everybody's kind of got, and this goes along with what you're talking about. But everybody everybody's got the price they're willing to pay, right? Or let's let's put sure. it this way: the gross margin they're willing to let you make, right? Right. right. And yep. and and whether that's so so, I mean. I'm, It'd be interesting to see in that concept, right? To go and look at those machines, and okay, when they when they go to this customer, we're making X gross margin that comes in and buys them every year. But when they get to sold some random guy, they make X gross margin, or maybe it's one percent less, right? And then and then start looking at it from the perspective of from the the trade in customers. So now you now you actually start matching up your premium trades with your customers that are willing to pay premium dollar mm-hmm. to and your and your and your not so premium trades to the customers yeah. that are going to come in and just you know want to want you to drop 5 grand off the price regardless right. of of the machine so be yeah. be interested now and have to go go do some go do some crunch some numbers <laughs> on that and see what that looks like yeah but yeah and i think that's the but that's i think that's where we're headed you start looking at this because just like what you talked about I, I'm so convinced now with with the way machines use, especially use prices are right now. New is you know new is yeah. crazy expensive. But as you're looking at at those things, I'm I'm a firm believer that some of the guys that used to be new buyers are now one or two or maybe even in some cases even three to five year old buyers. You know, just depending on where yeah. they're at, and because of the way things have gotten in there, they're kind of, for lack of a better term, they're kind of stuck in this box. You know what I mean? So bringing those, those, you know, the expectation of, you know, guys, five years ago, I was buying new combines. Now you're telling me that I can only afford to buy, you know, a three-year-old combine or a two-year-old combine with, with hours. I would never have dreamt of running on a yeah. machine, much less buying at that hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now you got to start talking to them like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but look, if you look where this machine's been through and the warranties that are on, da 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 this is about as good as new as you can get, you know, and so having yeah. those conversations and to your point, you're right. It's, we have the data to match the right machine to the right customer. And the customer doesn't have to have, you know, you know, Hey, Mr. Customer, here's, here's six machines. We think that are probably <laughs> yeah. going to fit well for you, you know, in your operation yeah. instead of here's 150 combine. Why don't you sort through them all real quick and tell me which one you want, mm-hmm. you know, without knowing anything about any of them. You know what I mean? So yep. if you, if you understand the customer, what they what they're doing, I really think that yeah. we have the sources out there to just say, "Hey, look, here's five combines, and they're at they're all different places throughout our our dealership network." But um, I think these are the five combines that are going to going to fit for you. You know, yep. Which one? I, which one do you like the best? And I and I and really, I think subconsciously, Casey, that's already happening out there. The salesmen are yeah. doing it. And that's why there's this, there's this constant, you know, that's my trade. I'm going to go sell that. I need, I need to go talk to my customers to sell that because I traded yeah. it in. And, and it's funny because you can take the same, same machine from two different customers at two different stores. Let's say you got two mud guys and I've seen it happen time and time again, where, where the machines are identical, same amount of hours, just two different salesmen, two different customers. Salesman that traded in the four at the one store will go sell in four right away. And the other four will sit on the other, the other store's lot for 90, 180 days. 
And you go talk to the salesman that sold all his right away. He's like, yeah, I can sell four more if we have them. Like, so he's going to go talk to his customer about trading again to get four more trades because he can go sell four more. It's like, well, we got four more right over here. Well, but they're not mine. I don't feel comfortable going and talking to a customer because again, I don't know where they came from. I don't know right. how they ran them. I don't know what they did to them. You know, so I, I think hopefully, you know, to your point of that, this, this whole data world we're, we're dipping our toe into right now at best is, is really probably take some of that away. Yeah. And, and I think also too, like, and you and I have talked about this at, at some length, but taking a look at machines and, and start trying to show like known failures at different yeah. hour ranges. Off yeah. the, I mean, Gary, again, we have so much. I mean, every yeah. time something goes out and gets worked on, we're, we're logging hours on it. So we see what, yeah. what the, what the repair was at those time frames, And you can start seeing that. And then now you can start being a little more, you know, could you imagine if we went through harvest and you know, I'm not going to sit and say that we're going to be able to stop anything from breaking, but right. if something broken, it was, you'd have to wait on the part and it was just there, boom, yeah. to make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, uh, cause I, cause I know we, we work hard to try to make that happen now. Yeah. Um, and we've got systems that make those things happen, but we have the part. This might not be in the right place, the right time. And mm -hmm. some of that might just be because that particular store sold a few of those and we got one there and, and no one's the idea of, of using machine, um, population as as a measuring yep. stick as to where you need to have what where that's uh that's being used too but it just seems like it's just a really hard yep. uh, that flywheel getting that flywheel to turn and start and yep. get the engine cranking it just seems like it's getting harder it's, and harder it's to hard. that turn. yeah yeah and, uh, i see it i see that happen all the time you know from a parts perspective right is we got we got 20 of them in the group and this store is out and we don't have any it's like no we we have 20 there's, we have right. 20 on hand. <laughs> you don't have any, but we have right. 20. Um, yeah. You know, but it, but then at the same time, it's like, well, I called this store. They wouldn't let them go. Well, why wouldn't they transfer one? Well, they, they're afraid they're going to run out now because you ran out. So it, it, I'm, I'm with you, this whole inventory balancing thing. And I mean, trying to get that, you, you said it perfect, trying to get that flywheel moving so that everybody kind of understands the the why. And and the how it all worked, right? It's just because you transferred five from your store to that other store because they're out, you don't need it because the machines running in your AOR, guess what? Every one of them had that part replaced during a winter inspection. Yeah. The store that the store that ran out had zero. Plus they got yeah. twice as many machines as you. You know, yeah. so so really starting to do some you know, some balancing based on that or, you know, projected parts. I mean, we, we started with something as simple as just, we gave our AAMs a report or aftermarket account managers. And, you know, they went out and just hammered guys on parts cabinets. And, and they went out there with a, with a, with a list we gave them where they basically put in a, a model in an hour range of how many hours they were going to start harvest with, how many hours they were going to end our harvest with. And it, it basically just gave them, here's 20, here's the top 25 parts that were replaced on combines in that hour range through the winter inspection program. Yeah. And, and these customers bought the parts, stocked them yeah. in their cabinet. So you took the store completely out of the loop in, in season, right? Right. 
So, so you start thinking now you start factoring into, well, what machines came through the shop this winter and what parts were installed? Well, I don't need, if, if, if my, if the population of combines in my AOR is let's say a hundred and I put feeder chains in 75% of them, do I really need to have 25 feeder chains on hand? Probably not. Probably need one. Probably need one. Right. Yeah. So, um, and again, it's the the flywheel thing though is helping whether it's the parts managers, service managers, store managers, just it, counter people, whatever. Just understand that it's like, well, we're not telling you you ain't gonna sell it. We're telling you that you should be focused on selling other stuff because this yeah. is a very very low probability of of you making any money. <laughs> and other thing too, I think as you go into like planning prep and, and harvest prep, especially. Um, Going through that one program, if you knew that you could say, hey, when, when this machine shows up and it's got to be this many hours on it, whatever the hours are on it, um, the likelihood of seeing this failure happen between X and Y yeah. are 94%. Do you want us to go ahead and replace it while you're here? Or at least have that conversation with them. That way, when it does break, and yep. you should have the part on hand, those kind of things. But if, if it does break, you, you can say, hey, we talked about this. And it happened. Yep. You know, so. It's, it's one of those things where I think it's not like a cover your ass move by any means, but it's just one of those, right. hey. It's all about uptime, man. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, you want to keep running. This is likelihood of this going down are, are fairly high. Well, and I, I, I mean, I even look at one of the challenges I see every day is, you know, technicians, right? And, and skilled technicians. And there, it's, it's, a, it's a revolving door because you've got the new guys coming in that that really don't know anything and you got the old guys going out that knew everything <clears throat> you know so when when the 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 veteran season tech goes out to the field to fix x y or z right he knows that a b or c needs to be replaced too well when you when you take that inexperienced or that let's say that even that five-year tech and send him out there to do that job well he's only got the parts for x y z because that's the only thing that was on his work order because that's what the customer told him was wrong. And he gets out there, it's like, oh, well, I took all this apart, and then I, I, I need this barrier, I need this seal too, and he's got to run back to town. You know, so even even as you go and like like there, how do you keep that institutional knowledge? And right. and you know, we've been we've been trying to figure that out. Like, do we, you know, put some develop some kind of you know memory memory device where we can like extract these guys's memory and you know stick it on right. the shelf but you start yeah. to think about it it's all on the work orders casey it's, it's all there it's all there yeah complaint complaint Everybody. cost correction these whenever yeah. you do this job code five hours later you do this or 25 right. hours later you do this it, it's yeah. it's all there it's just yeah. it's just getting it in a platform and, and doing something with it yeah and that's that's the uh that's what you just said there. I mean, cause, cause complaint fix, right? And then, and then you, go, yep. and you put those things back in there. And it's all, like you said, there's, it's not like these guys are, are just uh, going out to the guy's place and then fixing stuff and saying like, ah, it'll be, uh, be $500, <laughs> you know, you know, no. they're, at, they're given a piece of paper. They got generated yeah. in a business system someplace that, that has yep. all that information in it. So all that stuff's right there. And it's, it's the, the hard part about all this, though, is, and this is what I'm fine now doing this, is that I've got amazing ideas that I have zero idea how to implement. 
because it's it's tr- getting the data and trying to find the data yeah. and then arranging the data so that you can use it and then you know get example so in our, you know you look at some of the stuff and, and how things are labeled in the system i mean yep we when the first started putting 9770s for example in the system it was 9770 space scs and then yep. five years down the road it went to 9770s you know no space. Yeah, got, got rid of that, space, you know. right? Well, it, it, it was, it was whoever, you know, just, you know. whoever from JDIS trained them on how to create stock units that day, right? You know, yeah, half, of them, yeah. half of them trained them to put spaces in, and then all yeah. of a sudden deer starts sending them through the, the mint pole without spaces. It was like just, yeah. yeah. It, I agree yeah. with you. It, it, it was data. The 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 quality of the data is just as important as, yeah. you know, the quantity. I spent probably I spent like three days one time going through a spreadsheet where doing that same thing because it would be, you know, 9770S, 9770, yeah. 97, just 9770, yeah. and then just 9770SDS. <laughs> yeah. I had to like go through there and find other things and then, you know, fix all that stuff to make it work. And next, because it wasn't as easy just to, oh, we'll just do control fine and you're good to go. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. Know, so I, I, first off, I got to know. I gotta know what they all were. <laughs> yeah, and and it's just so working your way through all that, you know. And yeah, that that again, that's just another side of this that is even that much more mm-hmm. on top of that. And it's to the point now where you start looking at if you really, you need a data department. Yep. You know, you got got engineers, data scientists, all those things like that coming together to help guys like me that understand the business. Yep, I can exactly. run a spreadsheet. I can build a spreadsheet, yep. you know, and I can do an if if then statement, you know. But uh, yep. you know, I'm I'm not a wizard by any means in that stuff. And right. and using stuff like like uh, SQL and Query and Power BI and all this kind of thing, and just using all those tools, I'm slowly starting to figure out how to do it. But it's it's a bigger dynamic than that, where you got to start looking at. Yeah, let's get some people to actually understand how data needs to flow and how data needs to work. And then let's start making those decisions on we'll have what they put together to make sense. Yeah. And I think you, you, you hit the nail right on the head because I think there's, <clears throat> and, and it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's in what department it is, but especially with the data, right. Is, is you need that, you need that champion that understands the business, understands the use case that the data is being used for kind of understands the process and how that data is being collected and can kind of help get maneuver around some landmines like the models and things like that not being right or you know mm-hmm. oh we switched we we don't call tractors tra anymore we just call them t you know whatever right and and somebody had a decision because saving those two letters was going to save so much time but but anyway you know it you is is your time as <clears throat> in a, in a role, in a position you're in better spent identifying the use cases and and coming up with the ideas and the theories and handing that off to somebody that can go clean the data, build the database, build the data set and, and generate the report for you in a matter of probably hours, because a guy like you or me, sure, we can do it probably takes days, but (laughs) you know, so it's like, so it's like, what weren't you doing in those three days? That right. you could have just handed it off to somebody, and and I mean again, it's th- those those resources are out there, and whether it's you know through third party contractors, I mean, you're the thing is, is 
you gotta you gotta be okay with with them having access to your data too, and that's sure. yeah. usually the hangout for most for most people. Yep. Um, and and I mean, and it, and it should be it sh- it should be a concern, but you know, then it's like okay, well, then your options are have somebody in house. Well, that's not cheap either. Right. Yeah, and I think that's the uh, it's like you said, double edged sword. You know, you're damned if you do sometimes, and damned if you don't. But yeah. it's 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 one of those things where you're. You know, we've been a part of data groups with other, with other dealers that have come together and kind of shown what they've had. And, and I, I look at the guys that have those those kind of people on staff yep. and what they're doing. And there's one guy that's just he's kind of making sure that it makes sense. Yep. That what you're actually putting out there is, is makes. And I can sit there and tell a story of how this relates back to a business case yep. and what we're, what we're trying to accomplish. And because they don't. They don't know the business, right? So, yep. but what they're doing, those companies that have those kind of people in place, are really doing some impressive stuff with what they're doing, and their ROI is there. Um, yep, big time, and we're seeing that. You know, we're seeing that ROI on what they're investing on that investment that they're making in those people. So, it's a. It's, this is just like a whole new like. <laughs> You know, you got part sales service and then, yeah. oh my God, now we have, we have a technology department now, you know, yep. and, wow. um, and then now, now we've got this, this looming data department over here that could very well be, yep. this is, you know, cause I, you, know, you said something that kind of made me think about this for a minute, you know, every, every dealership's got a CFO, right? The yep. CFO is probably not an accountant. They probably under, they no. have a finance background of some yep. kind or whatever that is, but they're not an accountant. When it's kind of do taxes, we have accountants on staff that understand yep accounting and the law and what those yep. general ledgers are for and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's just understands different. the business. Yep. Yeah. He understands it, the business and he understands what the balance sheet yep. should look like. Yep. You know? and, and I think that's the same difference when you start looking at, uh, as a company, it, it's the same yep. thing. You know? It is the exact same, same thing. thing. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> well, Andy, Nine times. Yeah. Oh, I, I was going to just add one thing to that. Nine times out of ten, a dealership thinks it's their IT department, and it's not. You know, it's not. I, I've seen it happen time and time again, where where it's like, oh yeah, we got a data guy. Oh really? Well, well where, what's, where, what department's he? Well, he's our he's our IT. He's in our IT department. It's like, mm. I mean, I, I get it if he was a business guy and you moved him into IT because of a reporting structure or something like that, but. I, most of the time, I would say if they if they were if they have an IT background and and went into it as an IT type person, they don't understand the business. Most likely, it's not going to wind up working very well. Yep. And on the backside of that too is they still have email issues to fix and server <laughs> yeah. problems and passwords resets and you know, <laughs> all that stuff. That I mean, it takes up all day long just doing those. Stuff. It does. So it does. So it's a whole whole other thing there. So. Well, Andy, I, I, this is a good conversation, man. I think it's a good place to stop. I really appreciate you coming to the podcast. If folks want to reach out to you and pick your brain about stuff, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, easiest way is probably just uh, email. It's Andy Porsberg, P-O-R-S-B-O-R-G at gooseneckimp.com. Right on, man. Phone. Uh, they can give me a call too, 701-509-2518. Cool, man. Well, Andy, I, I really appreciate you being on here, man. This is uh this is, I think this is like that, that next iteration of what 
of what the uh, ag implement dealership thing is going to look like and go through. And, and uh, we're uh, slowly starting to see these things come together and it's going to be like, you know, what, what was it called before I asked you, AMS, you know, AMS, (laughs) you know, something similar to that. And as these kind of things start coming and how it reacts to the, to the dealership and not just, not just for the internal workings of the dealership, but uh, but right. what we can do with the customers. So it's exactly. a brave new world, man. Brave new world out there. So looking forward to it. Oh man. Well, Andy, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, thanks, man. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go to the video version of this over on the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel for everything Moving Iron related. Go to movingironllc.com and you get all the information there. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Andy Porsberg. It's going to be smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.